Welcome to The Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Now here's your Lighthouse Council host. Hi, welcome to The Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. This is Jeff Jowdy, your host for today's discussion on creating a positioning strategy for your nonprofit. Our guest today is Dave Getz, president of CZ Strategy, a messaging and marketing agency in the Chicago area. Dave, welcome to the Beacon Podcast. Thank you so much, Jeff. Great to be here. Well, we are thrilled and honored. Dave is a good friend and colleague and someone that we hold in high esteem. He founded CZ Strategy, which focuses on helping organizations identify and plan for what's next in their life cycle. And he's authored several books, I love this, such as Death by Suburb, How to Keep the Suburbs from Killing Your Soul, and Native Tongue, Translating Your Message into the Language of Prospects. So look forward to getting copies of those and learning more. Besides marketing, another of Dave's passions is fly fishing, and he's co-host of Two Guys in a River, one of the larger podcasts within the fly fishing universe, and is author of The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Dave holds a Master's of Divinity degree from Denver Seminary and also graduated from DePaul University's Keller Stats Graduate School of Business. He's a guest lecturer at Wheaton College for their summer graduate program. I love this. Very intriguing for Eastern European leaders. So, Dave, you're certainly a marketing communications guru and a renaissance man. Welcome to the Beacon Podcast. I am so glad to be here. We could start talking about fly fishing and just let this thing go for hours, but we'll focus in on our topic for the day. I love it. I am intrigued by your books and maybe share now. Where can they get those on Amazon? Or? Yes, you can pick up all on Amazon. The okay. book Death by Suburb I published in 2006. And that's with HarperCollins. I published that with them. And, but the Fly Fisher's Book of Lists mm-hmm. and also Native Tongue, mm-hmm. you can just yeah, hit Amazon and it'll arrive a day or two later. Awesome. Well, we're honored to have you here in our office in Franklin, Tennessee. We'll order those. And the next time you're in town, we'll get you to sign them for us. <laughs> be glad to do that. I should have brought some of the fly fishing books along. Well, that'll be great. So we were having a pre-podcast conversation that has me so intrigued by this topic and something that we're going to learn a lot from as well as our listeners. So Dave, what is positioning strategy? Every organization struggles with competitors. And even if you're in the nonprofit world, you don't think of your brothers and sisters as competitors, but they are because you're competing for dollars. And in the last 20 or 30 years, there have been just this enormous rise of organizations, social media. And so the clutter and the noise is unbelievable. So positioning strategy actually came about. L. Reese and Jack Trout wrote a book called Positioning Back maybe 20 or 30 years ago, maybe a quarter of a century ago. And they wrote the book because of the challenge of the incredible amount of noise. So that was just 25 years ago. Imagine what it's like now. So positioning is all about creating a perception about your organization in the minds of your prospects. So positioning is not something you do to your product or service or your organization. For example, university has the university name. So universities have a position, right? Mm-hmm. I think you graduate from University of Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. And so Georgia has a position in its market mm-hmm. in the SEC, mm-hmm. right? But also it might have a school of journalism or a, an MBA school that's very prominent. That actually has its own position as well. So. You can have an organizational brand position, you can have product positions, service positions. So positioning is something 
that you intend to do because you want to control how the prospect sees you. And so positioning is all about what you do through your marketing and communications and what you actually do, but you control that so that you can create this proper and controlled position in the minds of your prospects. Awesome. And how would a nonprofit create a positioning strategy and who should they get involved in the process? So let me give you an example. So several years ago, a law school out in California asked us to do some research for them to help them understand their positioning. They were struggling to grow, and so we did actually a regression analysis. This is not really perceptual work. Usually positioning work is a little softer than that, but we pulled their enrollment data for five years and looked at who attended their school. And what we found is this gap between what the leaders of the institution thought was the message of the institution versus the people who were actually attending. So that's a gap between perceptions. So for example, the law school executives, the provost and some of the leaders in the school perceived their law school or aspired to be as prominent as a brand called Berkeley or Stanford. Well, they were a second or third tier law school. And so when you did the research with the constituents, like the people who actually attended, you found out that they came for much different reasons than what the senior executive. So that affects your marketing. It affects what you say about yourself. And so perceptual research is how you actually create and understand how you're currently positioned. So if you wanted to do this, the first thing you need to do is collect some data. So what you can't do is just a deep dive with your senior team. You get them around and you sit around and navel gaze, talk, do a SWOT analysis and all the things that we consultants do, Mm -hmm. right? The problem is that you have no data. So the first thing you need to do is really a 360 degree view of your customers or your, in the case of nonprofits, your constituents to understand how is your organization currently perceived? And that's just a set of questions. It's usually done through narrative research, through conversations and interviews and face-to-face. It's very difficult to do online Mm -hmm. because you're not seeing the raised eyebrow, Mm -hmm. you're not getting the emotion, Mm -hmm. and you're not able to ask follow-up questions. So generally, the first thing you need to understand is how are we currently perceived by our constituency? And just to add a little nuance to that, generally when we do a positioning project, we are looking at the most recent donors or the most recent board members or the most recent staff members or those that you serve. Why? Because they see your organization as you currently are. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you want to understand how the people who have engaged you most recently perceive you. And then when is the time that a nonprofit should look to reposition themselves? So often you do that in transitions. A new executive Mm -hmm. director, I also recommend doing it every time you do a website because Mm -hmm. that usually is creates a lot of angst for an organization, right? And usually that's probably every four to five years Mm -hmm. most people decide Mm -hmm. they're gonna redo the website. Well, the moment you do that, you're creating imagery, you're creating copy, Mm -hmm. you're making decisions on what you say about yourself, Mm -hmm. all of which really has to do with positioning strategies. So let me just stop here for a moment and talk about the eight positions of power that Mm -hmm. you can have in any Mm -hmm. market. Mm -hmm. So think about it this way. So every organization has a position that exists. If you exist in the world, you have a position in the minds of your constituents. Usually what we call eight positions of power. You're either the innovator in your space or you're the leader. They they kind of act as foils. Mm -hmm. Well, most organizations are not the leader in their industry. They're not national. They're not global. 
For example, think of it like this. If you were thinking about just fast food for a moment, McDonald's really is the leader in fast food restaurants, and then everybody else is kind of an also ran. So as you think about your category, which let's say a nonprofit is, let's say disaster relief, who's the mega nonprofit in the world of disaster relief? Well, that's probably the American Red Cross, right? They're the leader in the space. But then there are innovators, and every category also has innovators in the space. And so these are organizations that disrupt. Through the years, I think I've worked with maybe two out of the 200 organizations that we've worked with. Generally, it's really rare to actually work with a true innovator. If you're gonna be in and declare that yourself as the innovator, you actually have to be innovative, right? You just can't be young mm-hmm. and, and have great creative. That's not innovative, right? You mm-hmm. actually, just because you have innovative creative doesn't make you innovative. Mm-hmm. So th- those are two positions. They kind of act as a foil. You're either one or the other in that sense. But there's also the generalist versus the specialist. So think of it like the family doctor, right, who does sees everybody and then refers out to a specialist. The specialist has something very specific like neuroscience or uh, might be a specialist in breast cancer or something like that. So as an organization, most organizations today, it's really difficult to occupy the generalist position. Let's say you have like five services that you do and you want to be known for all five. Well, It's not that you don't do all five services, but you wanna position yourself, if you're gonna position yourself as a specialist, you're gonna focus on one of them in all your communications. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So you're perceived as an expert in one thing. So that's the third and fourth position. The fifth and sixth is generally what's called the performer position. This is like hiring McKinsey Consulting. They actually are very quantitative, and if you hire them, or the Boston Consulting Group, Mm -hmm. in that category Mm -hmm. of consulting, they would not only are they might be the leader, but they're also the best. They really are the best. Mm-hmm. The foil to that is the service position. We did a study not long ago with a client that was the leader in their leadership consulting space, but they were losing business to a bunch of smaller boutique consulting firms mm-hmm. that were actually charging more per hour than they were. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get this data from them, and that often will happen. Now everybody has to have customer service. I'm not talking about that. But like the boutique consulting firm would, would generally be part of the service position, right? You, you you get personal attention, you get expert attention, you're not getting you know somebody who's been trained to do that. So the performer position versus the service position. The other two positions, which make seven and eight, are the premium position, which is a pricing. Mm-hmm. So, you, for example, a Nordstrom's, right, mm-hmm. versus a Walmart, which mm-hmm. is the discount brand. So, with nonprofits, pricing is not as um, is relevant, but it's relevant in terms of how they perceive your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. So, most organizations today are dealing with what's called the specialist. That they're trying to focus on something very specifically. For example, homelessness. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for donors and funders to know the difference between one homeless agency versus another, right? They all tend to sound the same. They have the same needs. For example, we're consulting with a firm that specializes in homelessness. We would say, let's focus on one specific thing that you want to be known for. That would be the specialist position. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's all about positioning yourself to occupy a hook in the mind of the prospect, right? To get traction. And so they see you for that one thing as opposed to seeing you as like the generalist. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does. 
Dave, what are some of the things that a nonprofit would look to change when they reposition? So if you're going to reposition, it's not just beautiful brochures, right? So it's really a strategic question. And so positioning strategy really touches the tip of the organizational sphere. So what you're saying is here is where we are now. So if you did a study, you say, okay, this is how we're currently perceived. And this is how we want to be perceived in the future. Let me give you an example. There was an AIDS foundation in San Antonio, Texas. The market changed. And this is why your positioning, by the way, always decays over time. So you might say you're this for a while, but because of the market changes, because of new entrants into the market, because you change, you add new services, your positioning changes. So this this story is about, a, a talk to the executive not too long ago, it was an AIDS foundation in Texas who had to reposition the foundation because when they originally were founded, they provided services for people with AIDS that were more end of life services. But with the new drugs over the last 20 years, having AIDS is not a death sentence. And so they had to reposition themselves from end of life services to basically uh, services to economic services to help them get up and out of poverty. So that's a positioning change. And that changes how you communicate with your donors. It's gonna change your donors. And so you have to actually change your behavior. So if an organization said, we are here, but we wanna move to this position, that means you actually have to change your behavior. So you actually have to change. So what changes? You'll need to change your services, not just your marketing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The actual physical thing you do actually has to represent the position you're trying to occupy in the minds of your prospects. So it's very strategic. I always think that positioning is probably the most strategic thing that an organization can do. And and if you're, let's say, a new executive director, I would really want to know what our current position is. How are we currently perceived? Mm-hmm. Because before you can talk about the vision and the future, you have to understand current reality. And I tell you what, they'll tell you the truth. Let me give this great example. So we worked with a financial services firm several years ago. And so we did kind of a 360 degree positioning study of the firm, trying to understand where they were, where they were positioned. And so obviously we did their clients, we did the staff, we did people who had, had were former clients. And then we also did the board. So we went to the board and we asked them this basic positioning question. It's like the NPS question, that the net promoter score question is, you know, would you refer this organization? So these are people that were on the board. When we asked the question, they said, no, we wouldn't, almost to a person. And the problem was a positioning problem. They perceived them to be good in trust services, which is what the company was founded in, but they didn't see them as wealth management. And so there was this mismatch. So you want to know how you're currently perceived so that you can change your behavior and change the services that you provide to really accurately reflect where you want to move forward. Does that make sense? It does. No, yes, you need to change the website, but all that is is really more white noise if there's no truth behind it. Well, this is great, Dave, and one of our reasons we respect you so highly is everything you do is research-based. We are in sync with you there. Well, it's been a delight to have you on the Beacon Podcast. We'd love to have you back again and continue this conversation. And for our listeners, be sure to follow Dave on Twitter at David L. Getz, G-O-E-T-Z, and be sure to go to CZ Strategy's website, czstrategy.com, and you should sign up for 
a very helpful newsletter that comes out full of information. And then whether or not you are a fisher person, check out his podcast, Two Guys in a River, on iTunes. So, Dave, again, thank you so much. Always learn from being around you, and you have such a insightful and, and generous spirit. We're grateful for you. Well, thank you so much. You know, if you get me going on fly fishing, this could be another two hours. So, uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Well, and again, Jeff Jatty here, thanking our listeners for joining us on this edition of the Beacon Podcast, your connection to nonprofit success. Thanks for listening to the Beacon, your connection to nonprofit success. Tune in every week for nonprofit topics with special guest interviews. Suggest future topics and learn more about upcoming podcasts and guests at lighthousecouncil.com.